And thank you for joining us today for the teaching and preaching ministry from Central Baptist Church in Kannapolis, North Carolina. As associate pastor, Barry Murray shares from the Bible how to live in a fallen world. The goal of Central Baptist Church is to change the world by teaching the Word of God. Come, let's listen in. Let's stand on our feet, if you would, as normal, and uh, read 1 Kings chapter 15. We'll start reading there in verse number 1. 1 Kings chapter 15 and verse number 1. Now, the 18th year of the king of Jeroboam, the son of Nabat, reigned Abijam over Judah. Three years he reigned in Jerusalem, and his mother's name was Maachiah, the daughter of Absalom, Abisam. And he walked in all the sins of his father. Now get this, get this sentence here. And he walked in all the sins of his father, which, had, uh, which he had done before him. And his heart was not perfect with the Lord, his God, as the heart of David, his father. Nevertheless, David's sa- uh, David's, for David's sake, the Lord, uh, the Lord, his God, gave him a lamp in Jerusalem to set up his son after him and to establish Jerusalem because David did that which was right in the eyes of the Lord. And he turned not aside from anything that he commanded him all the days of his life. And here's the, the title or the message for this evening. Save only in the matter of Uriah the Hittite. And I'm going to talk about a subject this evening, and I'm going to build it up line upon line here in a little bit, but uh, I want to talk about this thought that one sin should not speak for one's whole life. Because I, last time I checked, we're all guilty of one sin, at least. And I want to talk about that this evening. Thank you, Lord, for the Word of God. Thank you for the encouragement that we find in the Word of God. Thank you for the teaching and the direct statements from the Word of God that we can cling to and make them a principle of our life that we follow and live a godly type of life. And I ask you, please, to give us all listening ears and listening heart to see you. In your name I pray. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you, as always. Don't take me wrong this evening. Uh, I believe sin must definitely be taken care of in one's life. And I do believe today in in the years of experience and what I've seen over the years that one of the problems the church has today is that we no longer deal with the sin in the church. So don't take me wrong, I mean individuals. We, don't, we, 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 uh, we make light of it, we are not ashamed of it, uh, we, we, we even kind of uh, make fun of it, if you would. Uh, as long as you say, I'm sorry, it's okay, well, it's not okay. But we're kind of in that mode where we're at today. So don't take me wrong about that. And I'll come back a little bit later on. I think one of the things that's wrong in our country is that we no longer we don't know what right or wrong is. Uh, I mean, you listen to leaders speak and you say, does this guy have any idea what right is and what wrong is? Or does this lady have any idea what's going on? And uh, it's amazing. Uh, let me say, it's amazing that we defend somebody who had immorality affairs because he's being charged in court. But it's factual that he had the affair because he paid him off. You're awful quiet. You see what I'm saying? 
I'm not, I'm not any way in shape or form uh, behind what's going on and what's happening to the guy, whatever. But that, listen, he did pay someone off to keep quiet about the affair they had. Should be a lot more amens on that. But that same kind of thing's happening in the church world, if you would. But I wanna, I'll come back to that a little bit later on, and maybe I was a little brash in that statement, but we need to open up and see what's going on around us. We understand the Bible. I hope you understand the Bible is written line upon line, precept upon precept. Talks about this in Isaiah 28, about how that the word of God was a precept upon precept, line upon line, and here's a little and there a little. Talks about babies being weaned uh, in the word of God and those things. So the sermon tonight is going to be that way. So you're going to have to pay attention from the beginning to the end uh, of the message tonight to get what I'm trying to say. But uh, uh, we're going to be going line by line. I'm going to build the sermon and then we'll have the big letdown and we'll go home. All right. In the Bible, there's no other name mentioned more than the name uh, than the name of David than God. David's name is mentioned over 1,085 times in Scripture. God's name is mentioned 3,878 times. Jesus Christ is only mentioned 942 times. Abraham is mentioned 231 times. Moses, 841 times. Uh, Apostle Paul is mentioned 163 times. Satan's only 55 times. The devil, 61 times. And good old Lucifer, the same person, one time. In Scripture. And these don't include their names in the possessive. So when God, uh, when we're thinking about David here, God spoke about David like no other person in Scripture. When God was looking or had the people looking for a king after King Saul had to be replaced, God showed Samuel a shepherd boy. He'd already, uh, uh, he had already been looked upon by his family. He was already been eyed by the palace. And eventually he would go and help uh, King, King Saul during his time of uh, uh, evil spirits where they would bother him. He would go there and play his harp for him. And God chose David to be king over Saul. In Scripture, a handful of chapters are given in the Old Testament to Abraham and to Joseph. But 54 chapters are given of the life of David, not including Psalms. And our God has placed an unmistakable emphasis on the life of David. What is it about this man that God speaks of him over a thousand times that's so vital to us? We know in 1 Samuel that uh, God told Samuel that I provided me a king. And God instructs Samuel to anoint him to be the king. And the Lord is still searching for those of us that he can use and can bless like he did David. And he's searching uh, this very moment for those who have a heart for him. And he sees what a man does not see. He sees what's going on in the heart. And I want to spend a little few moments in the introduction just basically introducing us to David and what God saw in David because we're going to talk about him in a very personal way here in a little bit. But uh, uh, what did God see in David? David saw, his little shepherd boy, a mighty man of God. God saw down the road what David would become one day. Things that you and I can't see. After he was anointed and ended up, uh, ended up in the king's classroom where he learned how to be a king, he became uh, uh, fearless 
and faithful. Uh, he stood before Goliath and the enemies of Israel. He was in perilous times. Uh, we, like David, need to stand. And I believe, as Pastor mentioned this morning, we are facing some days ahead of us that we have not seen before in the church. And we will need to stand. We will need to stand. And we're going to have to learn to pick up our bootstraps. We're going to have to say, this, this isn't right. This isn't so. And we've got to stand behind some people that we don't agree with. But they know the God we know. Because we're going to have to stand together in this battle and in this fight. But it's coming. In the Bible, like no other book of the Bible, it provides some very direct statements from God, and it records for us the absolute perfect record of what uh, God spoke, what others spoke. I love some things that, that are said here. We'll get into those in a second here. Uh, I love the statements that are made uh, by the men and women in the Bible, and I love hearing David out there on the battlefield where he says in front of everybody, uh, is there not a cause? The little shepherd boy. Well, we know it should have been King Saul. should have been one of his brothers. should have been somebody else possibly saying, is there not a cause? And, and my, I believe the cause to David was, uh, the cause is we got to do what's right. And what's right here in this situation? That's the first thing I see about David was he's a mighty man. Number, number uh, uh, two, sec the second thing I see is that David chose faith over force. He chose faith over force. Choose your weapon, how we're going to live. Are we going to live by force or are we going to live by faith? I understand we just talked about it, maybe having to pick up a weapon in battle and take a stand, and I'm not, uh, I'm not uh, uh, going back on that, but I'm going to tell you what, you're going to have a hard time standing with your weapon if you don't live a life of faith. You're going to have some faith behind that force. But faith ought to be first. And then what we need to do is stand. He was, not, uh, he was, not, he was uh, uh, not a battle of the shepherd boy against the giant. It was not a battle of the Israel army against the Philistine army. It was a battle between Goliath and God. And David said, is there not a cause? And he was living by faith. We must decide whether we're going to face our problems with a spear, a sword, or with a shield, or are we going to face them in the name of the Lord? Are we going to live either by force or by faith? And if David, well, and if tech, the third thing I say about David, I don't really have my notes here, was this with David. Boy, when he loved you, he loved you. What a great study between Jonathan and David in Scripture. I love the friendship, the love they had between each other. I don't have time for that this evening, but if he loved you, boy, he loved you. But let's get to the part of the message tonight I want to get to. But as in every human heart, there lies the possibility to desire evil upon somebody else. Every one of us tonight, you would check out the deep crevices of your heart. There is somebody out there that's a rascal to you. There's somebody out there that you wish they would just drop over. Now, I'm just being real tonight, right? There's somebody out there. Why am I echoing now? What are you guys doing to me? Anyhow, there's somebody out there that for some reason, they just get in your crawl. 
for whatever reason it may be. And sometimes that drives us to the point that, boy, we like to just see them fall over dead. We like to see uh, maybe God quit blessing them. Have you ever been so angry with someone that you really desired harm upon them? And the true definition of the word evil in Scripture is that of harming somebody else. Have you ever been so angry with someone you couldn't wait, and some of you uh, are looking at your spouse and you shouldn't be doing that? We're talking about some Bible points here tonight. And is it possible for our old nature and have that evil beast nature inside of us that we want to strike out with vengeance against somebody because we just don't like them? Have you ever had anybody like that you didn't like in school? I can't imagine what school's like today, but when I was in school, uh, I didn't like anybody. They didn't like me. You with me? One day we had, uh, and here, here's a way real boys and real men solve the problem. They go outside back and they, they duke it out, and whoever wins, and it's all over. Right? Anyhow, but at one time I was in the middle school, and uh, there was this guy. Uh, he was as tall and as big as round as I am, and I was pretty pudgy all through school, and uh, he was also, and I don't know why he didn't like me, I have no idea, he, he lived in a different part of the county, didn't, I didn't ride his bus, didn't know anything about him, but he didn't like me, so finally we met out for school one day in the, in the uh, little lot area between the cafeteria and the buses. Remember, I'll meet you out by the buses, remember that? Some of you remember that. I met him out by the buses, and we started duking it out, fist, fist to cuff and back and forth, I don't think he ever hit me, I don't think I ever hit him. Am I right? We're both on the ground rolling around trying to fight each other, and uh, it was a draw, I guess. And we don't know why we didn't like each other. Next thing I know, we're best of friends. I went and stayed at his house, and uh, he stayed at my house, and what was going on? I don't understand why we have that nature about us. But David could have said, you know what? That Saul is chasing me like a dog. I'm going to get him. And David had opportunity to get, to get Saul. Twice. Could have had it taken care of. But David chose not to take his vengeance out on Saul. Often as we, as we behold the behavior of other people, the Lord speaks to us about our sinful ways. We are saying, listen, listen to this. We have a couple statements tonight that are the message, and if you catch them, you're going to get what I'm trying to get to. This statement here is this. What we are saying loudly and clearly, and why what we believe about God is manifested in the way we treat other people. I can tell how much you really care about God or how close you are to God by the way you treat other people. It comes out. We can tell people that we believe in God, but it's by the way we act toward people that people understand that we do believe and live after God. And I could spend so much time on this characterization of David and what I could say about him, but let me say what, David, what God said about him. Two things are in Scripture that, that kind of get this phrase together. I want to preach on that is this. First of all, God said in Acts that David was a man after his own heart, after my own heart. But then he said here in 1 Kings 15, 5, he said, uh, David was okay other than Uriah the Hittite. 
right? Now, you think David committed any other sins besides Uriah the Hittite? Didn't David get, uh, uh, get in trouble and uh, have a, a, a plague on the land for a few years because he did something wrong? So we know he did more wrong than just Uriah the Hittite, but that's the one God brings out, and that's the one God mentions, this one thing about uh, uh, David. Well, he also said, David was a man after my own heart, and, uh, and he did fulfill my will. And back to the title, all this to say this, one sin should not speak for one's whole life. Judging, judging others for a once-in-a-lifetime Tremendous, sinful, terrible sin should not be how we judge someone's whole life. Because there's not a person in this room tonight that you're not above committing one of those sins yourself. Including me. I have a couple pastor friends of mine that are sitting in a jail cell today that I'm still, I'm in shock over. I cannot believe these men of God who preached God's word uh, were so influential in so many ways are sitting in jail, not for what they believe, but for the sin they committed tonight. I have a Bible uh, uh, professor, teacher, if you would, uh, that sits in jail tonight uh, uh, for, uh, for acts with children. He sits in a prison cell tonight in Tennessee. But when he taught the Bible, when I was in Bible college, I thought he was the greatest thing since Jesus Christ. Oh, that's terrible. That's, it is. And it is bad. But I'm not going to judge their whole life on that one terrible, wicked, sinful, and I must say sin, not mistake tonight, thing because they did something for the cause of Christ. But they did sin. They did sin. I'm not saying the guys in jail should ever pastor again. Don't get me wrong tonight. I'm not saying that fellow that was a Bible teacher of mine in Bible college should be back teaching Bible in the Bible college either tonight. But I'm not going to judge his whole life on that one thing to end up where he's at, even though it's a terrible, wicked thing. And God said, look, David was after my own heart, and the only thing I got against him was Uriah. I want to say, and lay out the situation, David's situation with, he should have been a battle. He shouldn't have had the relationship with Bathsheba. Uh, he shouldn't have conspired to kill uh, Uriah. And I have a whole sermon about that and about how all the uh, servants of David knew what was going on, what was happening. I won't talk about that this evening. I don't have time for that. But I want to give you three statements from this verse number five tonight that I see about David as we talk about this thought that one sin should not speak for one's whole life. And while it is tragic, it's going to happen. It's going to happen. And it can happen. Let me see the first statement is this very easily. The verse is broken into three, three different phrases. Number one, David did that which was right in the eyes of the Lord. David did that which was right in the eyes of the Lord. That statement to me is very convicting. This is what God is saying about David. This is, uh, uh, God says, I love this guy so much. Uh, he did everything uh, right in the eyes of the Lord. And I said, but wait a minute, Lord, over here you talked about Uriah. Listen tonight, do you realize that God knows that you're a wicked, no good, rotten sinner and he still loves you anyhow? Yeah. 
And when he sees us, he sees us through the blood of Christ. He sees us as sinless and, and, and sinful. I mean, and, and we're clearing our sins. We've been washed by the blood of Christ, whiter than snow. But yet he still knows we're sinful rascals. That's why we can still serve him. How could David be right in the eyes of the Lord? Very simply, he, he was a believer. He was saved. God was his father. Jesus Christ was his savior. And he knew what it was all about. And you say, well, how can you say that? I'm glad you asked me that. Go to Romans chapter 4. I'm not stealing Wednesday night Bible study early, but I guess I am. Romans chapter 4, quickly, if you want to, verse 5 says this, But to him that worketh not, but believeth on him that justifieth the ungodly, his faith is counted as for righteousness, even as David also describeth the blessedness of the man unto whom God imputeth righteousness without works, saying, Blessed are those whose iniquities are forgiven and whose sins are covered. That is how David was right in the eyes of the Lord. He was a man who had his iniquities covered, forgiven, gone. That's how. That's how. You're, they're talking about David in the New Testament? Yes, they is. Because he is saved the same way you and I got saved by the precious blood of Christ to him that was going to come in the future. David, like every one of us, had to put his faith and put his faith in Jesus Christ, not some work that he could possibly do or something that he could accomplish, even though God said he did what was right in my eyes other than this matter over here. And truthfully, I suspect that if we live telling, our, telling ourselves that our good outweighs our bad, we're in trouble. And I'm pretty sure David wasn't a person who said, boy, I'm such a good person, such a good king. God's going to let me ride into heaven. Everything's going to be okay. It's just as if I've never sinned. No. And you know tonight we can't live holy enough that God's going to change the plan of salvation for us. That, that flat out, it's a flat out lie from the devil himself. And what I see today happening in, in I, I won't even call it, I'm going to call it another gospel and what it is today is that you can't be good enough to go to heaven. You don't need Jesus. You just give me your money and we'll all be okay. And people are buying that thing and they're buying that thing and they think everything's okay. But one day they're going to say, uh oh, I made a mistake. You can't buy heaven. You can't buy heaven. <laughs> I know you like uh, J. Vernon McGee. And uh, uh, I read him also, and uh, he has this thing. He was talking about uh, people believing that you can work for your salvation, you can work to get saved, and he had this whole thing about that. And he said, he said God don't need your two bits. <laughs> God don't need your two bits. And I, I love that line. And uh, you, listen, we can't do anything about that. Listen, David lived under the law. Abraham did not live under the law because there was no law when Abraham was here in his lifetime. The Mosaic law hadn't been... Uh, hadn't been given yet, and until 400 years later after uh, uh, Abraham. However, David lived under the law, but David could not be saved under the law. It was like you and I can't be saved under the law. And therefore, David described the blessedness that God reckons righteousness without works because David had no works. And the works that he did have were evil. And yet God said that David did that which was right in the eyes of the Lord. 
Therefore, righteousness must, be a to- must totally be apart and separate from our works. You and I, uh, you can't, and I understand that we have a hard time with this, but we do combine our works with our salvation. They're two separate things. Your works do follow you. And I do believe I will be judged for how I serve the Lord, how I did make him uh, 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 Lord of my life, control of my life. I will be judged by those things. Yes, I'm all for it. All, I agree with it. But my salvation came because of Jesus Christ on the cross of Calvary. Same as David. Saying, blessed are those whose iniquities are forgiven, whose sins are covered. The second statement I see here about David is this. In the middle part of verse number five. Say, turn on aside from anything that he, that, uh, that he commanded him all the days of his life. And this statement just gets to me. How in the world can God say about David that David didn't turn aside from everything I command, commanded him to do. He did everything just the way I told him to do it. But then he said, except for Uriah. Are you, are you getting this tonight? Are you handling this this evening? I'm, I'm doing a pretty good job of characterizing David because he, he's like us. But there's, there's no better way to go through this life then knowing that our sins are covered, don't take me wrong this evening. I'm not saying that I can live as I please. But I am saying this, that even though David uh, uh, was right in the eyes of the Lord, uh, he had sin in his life. I mean, we don't know, talking about the, uh, 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 the lusting for Bathsheba. We're not even talking about that. We're not talking about uh, all those things that he did and all the things that... I, there's a way I believe he was a perfect person, but yet God says, I see him uh, as someone who was right. He did everything I asked him to do. Boy, I wish this evening that God's people would remember when we do our best to serve the Lord. There are some things we know we should do and some things we know we shouldn't do, but there are some things we're not sure about yet what we should be doing or not doing. Because we are growing in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Line upon line, precept upon precept, as we live this Christian life, we are growing step by step, drawing closer to Jesus Christ. We're heading that way. And when you're doing that, God says, hey, that poor guy, he's only got one leg, but he's still trying. Right? Well, that person, boy, they don't understand it. They're clueless <laughs> of what's going on. But you know what? I love them. Jesus died for them. They're doing just things just the way they need to do them. It's going to be all right. Gone, gone, gone. Yes, my sins are gone. As far as the east is from the west, as north is from the south, as far as the deepest sea, they're gone. But one of the few truths that helps me to live day by day is, doing, is knowing this, that I deserve nothing but I get to enjoy eternity. Right? I don't deserve it, but I get to enjoy it. Not because of Barry Murray, but because of Jesus Christ. Because you could put your name in there. Other than the issue of Uriah the Hittite, he did what he was supposed to do in his life. 
I will not say David was anyway perfect this evening, but his life was a life of living by truth and not by emotions. Today, I fear, and I don't want to spend too much time, oh, I've got to hurry here, spend too much time on this, but, but you and I are threefold beings. We're a body, we're a soul, and we're a spirit, right? When you got saved, your spirit was born again. You know what born again means? Okay, it was born again. It came to life. You have a spirit that now has a relationship with, with the Holy Spirit of God, and we have this new spirit inside of us, and now we should make decisions, and now we should live our lives according to the spirit that, that is in, within us, that indwells within us. We should talk with it. We should, not, I don't say it, we should talk with him. We should uh, find out what he thinks we ought to do. We ought to grow by that. Why? We've been born again. We have the spirit. We should be striving, but the problem is that too many of us are still living uh, by the body making decisions or by the soul making decisions and not the spirit. What do you mean? Your body is fleshly and lustful. It desires a thing that are fleshly and lustful, and we battle it every day. But it no longer should make one help making decisions. Our, our emotions, boy, everything today is emotion. If you can figure out a way to make it sound good that you don't deserve whatever it is you should get, it'll be okay. Well, I murdered my wife because I got tired of her. I didn't have any other way out. I mean, that's where we're at today, aren't we? That's our excuses that we give to a judge. Just that silly. Uh, uh, anyhow, I don't have time to get on that road this, this, this evening. But meaning that the body uh, uh, doesn't know exactly what I should be doing. My soul doesn't know exactly what I should be doing. But my spirit that interacts with God's spirit inside of me knows what I should be doing. So that should be the head. It should be control of my life. Now the body has input and the soul has input. But, but uh, we ought to make decisions that are spiritually led, not fleshly led. We are to live a, a spirit-filled life. We are to try the spirits and weigh them. And what I see happening in something today that I've been in services where I sat there and I said, my spirit does not, does not intercede with this spirit in this place right now at all. It has all the stuff you want. It has a body, uh, a lust. It has a soul lust for me, but my spirit, that, that, the spirit of God, we just don't get together here. Something about this. I've got to go on here. Uh, here's what I've been wanting to get to, uh, and it means we're getting on the runway, close to land, except the landing gear's stuck, <laughs> but we'll get there. Save only in the matter of Uriah the Hittite. David's sin did follow him, but God did not hold it against him. David's sin did follow him. But God did not hold it against him. David did pay the price for his sins. If you study David's life, I think he paid over and over and over again for his sin that he committed. You look at his devastated family. His family was devastated. It was, it, it was a soap opera, wasn't it? Sure enough, trouble in the land, Absalom rebelling against him, uh, all these things that happened to me. I believe David in his lifetime here understood daily uh, the consequences of his sinful decisions that he decided to live by.
but his eternity was all taken care of. And even though David sinned, God did not wipe the rest of his life away from serving him. In fact, God lifts him up, if you would, and I can say that, not being too boastful about this, but God lifted him up in Scripture that we may see him as an example. And one of the things I love about Scripture is the fact there are people in it who are just as sinful as I am, and I can relate to them. I can relate to them. Thank God that's who he talks about. Thank God that's who he gives us that we can look at and say, boy, you know what? I'm just as bad as they are. Or I say, I'm worse than they are. Uh, it's no fact to God that David sinned. It was no surprise to God that he sinned. Uh, our, God, our Christian uh, world, uh, uh, listen, uh, this, listen, what we're doing today, and here, here's what I want to get to. Just because someone has sinned a sin that has devastated their life, maybe even criminally, uh, maybe even within the walls of a church, it does not mean that all they did serving God should be counted as nothing. That's what I'm saying tonight. What am I saying? Just because someone is really messed up doesn't mean you ought to write them off because God hasn't. God hasn't. I'm not saying here that some have, that some have lost opportunities. In fact, to be honest about it, I know I'm, I probably, it's one of the things that really bother me is that some of these pastors who are still passionate ought to get out of the public eye and keep their mouth shut. The sin they committed that was openly done in front of a church, in front of people, to me was egregious enough that I just quit right now. I know God forgave them. I know God can use them. But they got to get out of the public eye. There's no more shame in our sin anymore. There's no more shame. When we, do, when we sin against God. And there ought to be a shame. Well, Jesus paid for it all. You can forgive me. It's all going to be okay. Listen. Okay, I don't have time to get down that road. Well, listen. Uh, I'm not saying here that they may, uh, they've lost the opportunity to serve God. I'm just saying they should not be in front of people, leading people because of what they did. And we, I mean, it's amazing that preachers are back in the pulpit today preaching and pastoring a church that I don't know how people sit in the pew and listen to them. And he's just a sinner like the rest of us. Yeah, he is, but he kind of went overboard. The truth is that some pastors, I think, lose the opportunity. But you never lose the opportunity to serve God. And I believe that, that we are, as I mentioned, not, no longer ashamed of our sin. But if God is not done with them, I need to be careful that I don't write them off either, by the way. Because I'm just as guilty as they are. And my sin may not be open and egregious as there may have been, but I believe God can still use them because God still uses me. So what I'm saying is this. As means we want to be about those situations, what I'm saying is this tonight. Let's not write them off. Let's not say they're good for nothing anymore because they sinned. That's what I'm saying tonight. Let's measure their whole life, not just that one error. The reason I got the sermon, this is, this is a brand new Hoff off the press sermon this week. I finished it finally, working on it for a few weeks. But uh, I was one Sunday morning after Sunday school, I was talking to, oh, actually Rick Kimmins was talking to him, and I was telling, he was telling me about somebody he knew, a Christian leader, and uh, something happened to them. And I don't, he didn't give me a name, I don't know who they were, and he was telling me about that. And I made a statement to him. I said that one sin should not speak for one's whole life. 
because that one person may have done whatever they may have done. Let's not write them off in God's kingdom. Because guess what? They're going to be there just beside you, just like everybody else. That's all I'm saying tonight. We, we need to measure one's life by all the deeds, not just the one bad one we know them for. Now, I'll be honest with you. I've caught myself saying, well, I'm really glad that caught up with them. Why? Well, that's the human side of me. That's the fleshy side of me. Boy, I'm glad they finally got caught because I knew something was wrong with them. Now, don't sit there and say, I've never done that. Don't you dare say that. You know you have. I have. What I'm saying is that may happen. We should be praying for them. We should be encouraging them. We should be helping them in the, in the life we live together serving God. We need to be careful about passing judgment upon other people who God has not passed a judgment upon. Do you realize this evening that if God's done with somebody, he's more than able, capable to take them out? Are you, are you right? That you, he's more than able to put them in a corner somewhere. You know, we got caught up and said, oh, I just knew that was going to happen, and he's, they're, they're terrible. Listen, we've got to quit being like that. How would you love for someone to say, we could have all your sins on the screen tonight. Well, they're not big enough. But if we could have all your sins on the screen tonight, would you want everybody here to see them? And then if they saw them, would you want them to judge you by what they saw on the screen? And just because one person's sin becomes a public knowledge, we ought to be careful how we judge that and ridicule somebody about that. Because if our sins are up there, we say, man, I know we'd say, we'd say, well, I'm not as bad as they are. I'm not as bad as Johnny Barnes. Right? I'm not as bad as Jace Thomas. Right? I'm definitely not as bad as Barry Lemon. We can't get in that mode. We can't, we can't get there when it comes to uh, sin in someone's life. Listen, I've I got a couple minutes. Let me get this real quickly. I'll go through these fa- quick, fast, and quick. Adam and Eve sinned in the Garden of Eden, yet God used them to multiply the earth. Cain killed Abel. But do you realize that God still used Cain to help, to help populate the earth? Enoch had to have some sinful thing wrong with him, even though I can't find it, but he walked with God every day, and he was so good, God took him away from here. By faith, Noah, being warned of God of things not yet seen, uh, 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 prepared an ark. Yet when he got done with that trip, and I don't blame him, he got drunk. Because all those days in the same ark with my family and a bunch of animals, I want to get drunk too, by the way. But God still used him, and God said he was, he was right in his eyes. By faith, Abraham left the of Chaldees and went out, being a nomad. But yet when, it, when times got uh, 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 short and he almost got in trouble, he lied about his, lied about his wife being his, being his wife and said he was his sister. And through faith, Sarah laughed about Conceiving a child in her old age, yet God still gave her a son. By faith, Isaac and Jacob and Esau, concerning things that are yet to come, yet Isaac lied about his wife also. Jacob, my word, is there a bigger deceiver in the Bible than Jacob? 
Maybe his mama. Yet God still used him. By faith, Moses, when he was born, was hid that he may be used of God. But Moses, folks, was a murderer. We don't think about that much, do we? Well, he was just an Egyptian. He didn't matter. No, he murdered somebody. He took someone's life. Oh, well, Pastor Barry, it was before the law. He still murdered somebody. But yet God used Moses. Moses is one of the mighty men in the Bible. Oh, I love Moses. You put up three million people, they're crying, complaining, and murmuring, and you give them pacifiers, you're a good, you're a good man. <laughs> and by faith, he forsook Egypt. Rahab, the harlot. The harlot. God used the harlot to spare his people. Peter, as mentioned this morning, denying Christ. James and John fighting over which one of them is the best. Sounds like two brothers. Mary Magdalene possessed with demons. And I could go through history of all the dead folks that we like to read about and talk about. And what they may have done wrong, where they've sinned at. But yet God used them. Why? Because one sin should not speak for one's whole life. We need to be cautious this evening how we judge people because they somehow got caught openly about their sin and you didn't. We ought to be careful. And if God is willing to work with sinners, maybe I should be a little more compassionate toward those same sinners just like me. Thank you, Lord, for the word of God this evening. Thank you for this thought about David and, Lord, how much time we could have spent on so many of these people and these lines upon lines and these people that you died for them. They were believers. They were Christians. They loved you and served you, yet they were still sinners, just like the rest of us. Oh, may we be perfect. May we be cautious tonight about judging other people. And as we see in Scripture, in Romans, that people were judging people who were guilty of the exact same sin. And God, may we be careful tonight before we start throwing stones at somebody else who their sin has become unopened. It's been become a public issue before we start throwing stones and judging and casting others away. May we look at their whole life from the beginning to the end. Dear friend, this evening as we get ready to close the invitation, I think tonight I made it pretty clear the message was, let's be careful how we judge those who are just like we are. But for the grace of God, it could be us. But with the grace of God, we could be having to deal with those issues our family or our church could have to be dealing with those issues by the grace of God we're not. So let's be careful about casting stones and judging those because of a terrible sin they may have committed. Think about that. There's someone in your heart tonight that when I mentioned that, someone's face came to your mind. What we ought to do is pray for them. Not 
wish him the worst. Pray for those that have fallen, become entangled in the ways of Satan. Let's stand on our feet this evening, our heads still bowed. If we sing a few verses, if the altar's open as always. God spoke to you about something tonight. Let's be careful how we judge people. Thank you for listening today. If you'd like to know more about Central Baptist Church, events, and ministries, please visit our webpage at cbckannapolis.com.